You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 217. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptiv. Aptiv is the on-demand audio fitness app that I personally love, which combines the guidance of a trainer with the perfect playlist so that you can work out wherever you are, whether you're traveling or staying at home or you're actually at the gym and you want to have a trainer in your earbuds. One of the things I would love to point out if you're going to go download this and give this a try with their 30-day free trial that I'm about to give you is go check out their seven-minute quick hits. This is awesome. I don't know about you, but I like to do fast workouts or kind of a mix of different shorter kind of interval training style things. And their seven minute quick hits are broken down by difficulty level and so many different other characteristics. So you can find something that's easy, hard, medium, whatever you're feeling that day. So like I said, there's a free 30 day trial they've made for Lively Show listeners, which is far longer than their regular traditional free trial. And you can go get that by signing up at Aptiv.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. Then enter the code The Lively Show. That's going to get you the free 30 days rather than their shorter entry, give it a try kind of thing. So you get a full, pretty much a month of workouts for free by entering The Lively Show code and then go download the app on your phone and you're all set. Now let's move on. Today I am in Ibiza for A-Fest. I am not really sure what to expect. I'm actually recording this so I can be fully present at the conference the day that this episode's airing. But of course, I'll be sharing all of the behind the scenes over on Instagram. So if you wanna see how A-Fest and Ibiza is going for me, you can go find out there. Now let's move on to today's show. This one is one of the episodes I would say that took some of the most time to prepare. That's the thing that comes to mind when I think about this guy. This creating your own reality rationally and transrationally took over six hours just to compile the notes for this episode. There's a lot in this one. It's a really great one if you are loving the rational, transrational, pre-rational, that whole quantum perspective. And also if you're curious on this whole idea of Abraham Hicks saying we create our own reality. If you feel like that's not necessarily true, There are amazing facts in this episode that I'm going to share, which I hope will open up your mind and your ideas to some new concepts, which may indicate that we do actually create our own reality far more than we may think at first glance. Let's go to the show. I'm so excited to be continuing all of the stuff that I've told you I've been focusing on through this last, I don't know, nine, 10 months it's been. So this one is about why you create your own reality, even if you don't believe in the law of attraction, because there is a rational and transrational approach to this. And even I know many people are already like, Jess, Jess, I get it. I'm on board with the law of attraction. I want to hear more. I'm still so excited to share these more rational sides to this approach so you guys can have more coherence between the left and right lobes of your brain. So you can have the more intangible, yes, I resonate with this, but also have some of that logical thinking and coherence so that both sides are working simultaneously. And even, for example, if your ego starts to freak out and go, I don't really know if this is all, you know, what if this doesn't work or whatever, this is going to help you have an even deeper understanding of potentially what is happening. 
We're going to talk a lot about psychology and neurology, and we're also going to start dipping our toe into the emotional waters. Emotion is something that I think is going to come up in a huge way coming here on the show and is also a huge part of flow with intention and what I'm finding to be transformational when it comes to living a life you truly want to live and having the, like I said, created reality that really aligns with what you desire for your life. So my intention for this episode is to explain, like I said, a possible rational perspective on why the law of attraction works, but this is just going to deepen your understanding in so many ways about your brain and how it works. Because as I am realizing, there's just so much going on right now in the world and there's a lot of fear going on too. And emotions that are not always positive. That's obviously been going on for our entire universe's life. So this is not to say, oh my gosh, this is now worse than ever. It's just probably in our personal lifetime seeming to be worse than we've ever experienced before. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't been bad in the past and it won't be bad in the future. It's just our current reality at this moment. So here are the points that I'm going to break this into because we're going to go through a lot of stuff. So we're going to start with part one, which is what the heck is quote unquote reality anyways. Then we're going to talk about part two. How do emotions become a part of our quote unquote reality? Part three will be about possible rational and transrational theories along the lines of law of attraction and reality. Then part four will be how can we start creating the reality we want, which is really exciting for me. And then part five, I will wrap it up for you. If you're ready, let's get started. Okay, so part one, what the heck is reality anyways? All right, now I'm putting reality in quotes here because we think that we know what reality is. I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, Jess, I know what reality is. I'm actually kind of questioning whether you know what reality is because your life seems to be so, you know, kind of it out there right now. Here's a fact about all of our brains, no matter where you are and what your circumstances are. Brain fact, your brain is at every second. Guess how many pieces of information it's processing? I'll give you a second to think about it and make up a little guess. The answer is 400 billion pieces of information a second. Now, of course, we're not actually aware of 400 billion pieces. That's 11 zeros after the four. I don't even know how to even describe that other than to think about the GDPs of huge countries and debt and all that kind of stuff. That's the only time I even hear those types of numbers even used is usually around money in the media. But if you really think about that, 400 billion pieces of information per second. Our minds, however, are not able with our consciousness to actually process that amount of information. So guess how much we're actually capturing, even though our brains are actually taking in that much, we're actually capturing 2,000 in our mind. That's how much we're actually aware of. So we're currently non-deliberately already selecting a very tiny, tiny fraction of our reality that is translating into a meaningful experience for us. In fact, in order for me to even wrap my head around the 2,000 into the 400 billion, I decided to try to find out what that fraction was. What is that percentage? Well, fun fact, you actually can't use that math. It's such a big number. You can't even do it on your iPhone. You actually have to go onto Google and do the math straight through Google, and then they have some fancy calculator that can process that. The answer to 2,000 divided by 400 billion is point zero 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 five. That is how much of reality, if you're going to put a big R on it, that we're actually capturing within our own personal experience. So there's 400 billion things going on. We're only aware of point zero 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 five. 
of that. And that's just in our personal experience. That's not what's going on in the world. That's just what's going on in our eyes, in our brain in the second. And then the next second, there's 400 billion. And the next second, there's 400 billion. But we're only aware of point zero, like nine zeros, guys. That's how many times I'm counting to say the fraction. That's how much we're actually capturing. So if that sounds hard to believe and you go, Jess, I'm more perceptive than that. That might be some people's experience, but it's not mine. I kind of had a little bit of that thought too, but here's the thing. I immediately had that thought of the video. Maybe you're thinking this too, because I shared this with someone else and they brought up the same video that is about the gorilla and the basketballs. Have you heard about the gorilla and the basketball video? I'll have it in the show notes if you want to go check it out. But I think it was at Harvard. Psychologists did this little experiment where they asked the viewers in their participation study to watch this short, I think it's probably a 30 second, 40 second video of a group of people playing basketball. And they're just kind of passing the balls in a circle. And as they're looking at these people, each person is wearing either a white or black shirt and they ask the people that are watching the video to count the number of basketball passes that I think the team white was passing. So they're just sitting there watching the video, counting the number of times team white passes a ball. Well, as that is happening, a person in a gorilla costume walks through the video. So there's a gorilla costume, walks right through the video, pounds his chest a few times, and then walks off the screen. Guess how many people saw the gorilla when they were doing this counting experiment? 50%. That's how many. 50% of people actually caught the gorilla. The other half of the people totally didn't see the gorilla costume. That is insane. And of course, you're probably thinking, but yeah, Jess, I'm one of the perceptive ones. I would have seen the gorilla. And you know what? I thought the same thing. So then I pulled up the video to watch it myself. And here's what I noticed. It's probably, like I said, a very short video. So I watched it a few times. The first time I tried watching it, I was still you know, trying to do the counting exercise while waiting for the gorilla to cross the screen. Then he did cross the screen. And I was like, look, look at how special I am. I saw the gorilla. <laughs> I'm one of the 50% that saw it. But guess what? I couldn't count the number of total passes that the team white had because I got distracted by watching the gorilla in the video. So. Even with that, there was the 400 billion pieces of information in my brain, which included how many times the team white actually did pass the ball. But I and my 2000 pieces of information that I actually watched the first time didn't catch it. Did I see the gorilla? Yes. But did I see how many passes were made? I got almost there. But once the gorilla got there, I totally lost count to any passes that happened after that point. So then I watched it again and I realized, man, that gorilla pounds his chest a few times, but I didn't catch exactly how many times the gorilla pounded his chest. Did my eyes and my brain take in that piece of information with the 400 billion? Yes. But was I aware of it? No. All I knew is not how many passes and not how many times he pounded the chest. I just saw the gorilla. So I watched it again and I could count the number of times the gorilla pounded his chest, but I still could not capture the number of white team passes. I'd have to actually watch the white team in order to really capture that piece of information. Then as I watched it again, I realized I don't even know how many men are in the video versus women. Then I watched it again in order to keep knowing all these pieces of information. They're sitting there on this very simple, straightforward video. I realized I don't even know what color shoes the people are wearing. I have to watch the video again in order to see what color the shoes are. Then I had to say to myself, you know, is everyone wearing jeans? Are they all blue jeans? I'm not even looking at what the bottom halves of these people's outfits are even made of. Then I thought about there's a letter on the back wall next to the elevator. For a few of these rounds, I'm not even paying attention to that. How many doors 
are on the wall behind them? How many times did the people in the black shirts pass the basketball? And on and on and on. This is a very simple, straightforward video. When you watch it, you think you've got all the details. However, like I said, as I watched that about six or seven times, I started noticing all of these details that I had to watch the same moment replayed over and over and over in order to really count and and be aware in my 2,000 pieces of information consciousness about this video. Now, imagine our lives. We think that we're experiencing our lives and we're taking it all in. But if you're watching that video and you try to actually notice all of these things all at once, it truly is, I believe, impossible. I really don't think you're gonna be able to capture every little detail that I just shared with you. You won't know the numbers of the passes from each team. You won't see the gorilla and how many times he passes, you know, he pounds his chest or how many steps he takes or what shoes the people are wearing and what hair color or hairstyles the people have, how many men and women. There's just too much information, even though we think we have seen the entire thing. And even after six times, I'm realizing there's still more details to that same little video that I didn't notice. And we're not getting a chance in our daily lives to go back and rewind and rewind and rewind. So we think that the four things that we pick up out of some video like that is everything and that we're gonna catch the gorilla. But you know what? It's really true. There's probably like I had said earlier, like 400 billion minus 2000 pieces of information we're not capturing. So even when we think that we notice everything that happens in our reality, good or bad, or that we're unbiased and are taking in information, simply it cannot be true. We can only see the smallest fraction. I can't even get my head around 400 billion and 2000 that zeros, nine zeros, because I see the five at the end of it, I somehow think that's like kind of big but there are nine zeros before that five. (laughs) So even when we say that we're seeing everything and we're unbiased, we're only seeing the tiniest fraction we can't even comprehend. So what this means then is that we're deliberately or non-deliberately choosing what we pay attention to. And this is actually very exciting because as we start to realize this, as we start to gain this insight, instead of just pompously (laughs) and totally erroneously thinking that we are actually non-biased and we're taking taking it all in, as we actually gain that awareness of how little we're actually perceiving, then we start to realize that if we are truly aware of that at the deepest level, then we can start to say, okay, we're only going to pick up on those 2000. Let's make peace about that. It's not about trying to expand our brains to go insane and try to capture 400 billion at once. That would be very hard to focus and get anything done because it'd be just overwhelmed and fry our hardwire. It would fry the brain. So Given there's only going to be 2,000 pieces of information we're going to focus on, why don't we focus on what we want and deliberately, consciously choose to focus on? And vice versa, if we don't want to deliberately focus or choose it, then we don't. However, is there a part of you right now, be honest, that wants to not choose and to stay neutral? Please remind yourself, this is actually impossible. Your left lobe, your left side of your brain is seeking coherence. It's seeking to validate the current thoughts, experiences, and emotions currently in your neural net. Your neural net is the pathways in your brain. So as your left lobe is trying to seek coherence, so it's going to have an experience that it can like get you from point A to B without you having to, I don't know, actually consider everything that's going on, all 400 billion things. It's going to sift and sort so that you can have these things that are basically validating your current 
current thoughts, experiences, and emotions that are currently things you're really good at practicing. So believe it or not, it's not actually a neutral thing that you're experiencing day to day. It's simply the unconscious and non-deliberately chosen 2000 pieces of information based on the autopilot you've been on thus far. Now, if you've been super deliberate and you've been super meditative and you've been super into all of this stuff, and I'm just repeating things to you that you've known for years, then maybe you've already done this. But if you haven't known this yet, there's a huge chance, huge chance that you're like me and we're just starting to wake up and starting to realize, oh my gosh, how asleep we actually are. We're only capturing 2,400 billion. It cannot be neutral. It's just simply unconscious and non-deliberately chosen from our brains based on the current patterns in our neural net. Now, if we happen to be lucky and we happen to have one of those personalities and personality is just a memorized emotional thought pattern, by the way. So you can change your personality by changing your memorized emotional patterns based on the thoughts and experiences. You're going to change those emotions. So then your personality will shift. But if you've already created a neural net that's really positive, odds are the 2000 pieces of information that you're experiencing, or maybe you know someone in your life that is, those people or yourself, if you're in one of those camps, have probably already unconsciously and non-deliberately chosen on autopilot to sift and sort for the 2000 pieces of information that are coherent with that positive outlook and expectation. And vice versa, if you have a neural net that is negative or programmed to maybe you know someone in your life that is programmed to that negative emotional pattern, the neural net just fires so quick in the negative, that person's brain is doing the same thing. It's seeking coherence. So it's seeking to validate the current thoughts, experience, and emotions. In reality, what the things it's going to pick up on is going to reflect the neural net that has been unconscious and non-deliberately chosen on autopilot. So what we're really trying to do here, guys, we're trying to wake up. We're trying to see this and start to choose because that is in our power as we understand that we have the ability to do so. That's what I'm so excited to bring with you guys. So now let's move on to part two. How do emotions, I kind of hinted at them just a second ago, become a part of our reality? Well, in either case, here's kind of the rough story of what happens. Part one, we notice something. Something of the 400 billion per second takes our attention. We notice the gorilla, right? Then part two is we have a thought or an association about it in our neural net based on our previous experiences and memory. So then we're gonna access a memory or a feeling or an association with that thing that we're noticing in our experience right now to something we've had a thought or association about in the past. Then part three happens. This then triggers a chemical release in the hypothalamus. So in your brain, you have the thought. Then it goes up to the, it sends a signal. The thought sends a neural net signal over to the hypothalamus, which creates a peptide, a neural peptide, which is like protein chain. It doesn't really matter, but just think of it like a little key. These peptides are like little keys that then get sent through your bloodstream from the hypothalamus into your body and into the cells of your body. So these keys, these little peptides go into the cells that they're supposed to go to based on the chemicals that are released. I'll get into examples of this in a second, but just think about, so you have the thought, it releases the emotion. The emotion is actually the chemical creation of this peptide. The peptide goes down through the blood into the parts of your body. And then they're on the cells. There's these little locks. They're called receptor sites. These receptor sites, it's kind of the lock. The key is the peptide. It kind of goes in there and clicks it open. And then it activates that feeling, that chemical reaction in the cell. 
So that's what's happening. The chemicals relate to the body cells. Once the body cells have the chemical, that peptide is locked in there, it creates a physical reaction. If you want to get an idea of what those physical reactions could be, think of erections, think of heart palpitations, think of higher heart rate, tears of joy, think all of those things. You can already know, and I said those physical reactions, you can probably think back to what the thought was, then what the emotion was, right? If you think about erections, heart palpitations, higher heart rate, tears of joy. Okay. We've got lust or we got excitement in sexual for the erection. We've got heart palpitations. That could be excitement or fear. Higher heart rate could be surprise. It could be delight. It could be excitement. It could be fear. It could be terror. Tears of joy. Those are, you know, when you're really happy or overwhelmed, you're super peaceful. So you can kind of get an idea of how these thoughts then create the peptide. The peptide then goes, locks into the cells and then your tears start flowing and your cells there. The erection starts happening down there. We've got heart palpitations in the heart. This is what is happening. This is how the brain is working with the body to create our physical experience. This is why we call it feelings because we're taking the chemicals from the emotions and turning them into physical feelings, but more on the role of emotions in our lives in upcoming episodes. I think I might even do one next week on this. It's fascinating to recognize this whole reality of the memorization of emotion and its result in our bodies and then in our reality like we're talking about today. So let's move on. We talked a little bit about emotion. Now I'm going to bring emotion into this whole concept of reality. So part three, possible rational and transrational theories about law of attraction and reality. Remember, we're talking about you create your own reality. This is something that Abraham Hicks in the law of attraction stuff talks about and says over and over and over and just says, you create your own reality. You create your own reality. And I know, like I said earlier, you think you may not be. You think you're being neutral. You think you're capturing everything. But as I said in part one, you're capturing point zero 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 five percent of reality. If you're looking at even just what you're your brain alone in one second is actually taking in in that second. That's not nearly everything that's going on in the universe or in your own country or in your own hometown or in your own house. That's just what's in front of you right now. You're capturing like 0% of that, (laughs) but we think that we are capturing more than we are. So now let's look at the rational transrational theories here. Okay. So with this fact that this chemical emotion is now surging through our bodies, when we select what we notice next in our quote unquote reality and next and next and next and every second after that second that the emotion is pumping through our blood and that chemical reaction is happening and unlocking those peptides and the receptor sites of these cells, think about how this cloud of emotional chemicals is affecting the next 2000 pieces of information we pick up on. I like to think about some examples here. One of them is actually to think about a musical. I don't remember if there actually is a musical where this happens, but just imagine that kind of hunky dory guy that's like in a musical, totally in love. He's wandering in the streets. I think it's maybe from singing in the rain. It's kind of what I'm channeling in my head right now, but I have this vision of this guy who's in a musical, totally in love, who's wandering around as everything around him is falling to pieces. So it's kind of like anvils are dropping around him and someone's, you know, having a fight over on that street corner. And he's just totally oblivious to all of it because he's singing his song in the musical and he's in love. And that's what's emotion is going on in his body. So 
that's what he is channeled to. That's the 2000 pieces of information he's picking up on, even though everyone around him is comically all actually super upset and at a totally different emotional vibration. What this really is, is a man, if you look at this from a scientific perspective, who has a certain chemical reaction going on in his head and he's living out his reality totally in his mind and only seeking the things in his experience that actually align with that chemical emotional set point. So on the flip side here, now let's take it. So we took it from, we have a happy person in a negative situation still is happy because that's their emotional set point at that moment. Here's another one. Think about your partner and when they're in a bad mood, even though the sun is shining, the weather is perfect, the vast majority of their life is incredible, yet they're down and super depressed right now in this mood that they're having with you just because they got a bad review at work or something else like that happened. Sometimes it's easier to see in someone else when you're like, wow, this person's really upset about this one thing and I can see the emotion coursing through their veins. And at the same time, you're able with your 2000 pieces of information that you're noticing, see all of the 2000 other amazing things going on in that person's life. That person that is upset at that moment is seeking coherence. So they have a hard time even truly tapping into the appreciation and gratitude while that chemical is in those cells. While that peptide's in there, that is the experience they're having. The left brain is looking for the coherence of experience to validate why that feeling is going on in them. And it's really hard to break that, especially when you're not aware of everything that I'm explaining to you about why it's happening. When it's just in you, there's this unconsciousness about it. So it's just seeking coherence, coherence, coherence rather than recognizing, as I'm hoping to share with you in these episodes going forward, how you now have the choice because you see that it's happening. So if this is all true, then our perspective on reality, quote unquote, is really influenced in a huge way by our chemical and emotional reaction. What this all means is that our reality of our experience could be created deliberately by getting some momentum going in one chemical emotional direction and then seeing or even seeking to find other items of the same emotional frequency in our lives. That is what the law of attraction ultimately is there to do. It's there to help you set your frequency now so that you select, sift, and sort for the things that you want. Boom. That's it. That is what is going for. Now we're going to get into some more about this. So for those rational people out there, don't worry. We're going to get into how this, even outside of manifesting magical things, if you don't into that, there's other things to consider here. So let's also consider there is an aspect of the chemical reaction that also has to do with quantum mechanics. Perhaps the emotional chemical reactions that are happening somehow do actually trigger or create future experiences in some way that we currently don't understand to the fullest extent on the realm of classical physics and development. Right now, entangled particles are a very fascinating subject I haven't shared yet on the show, but I will do that more. But just to say, there are some aspects of quantum mechanics with the observer effect and, and entangled particles, and even looking like I shared in the photoelectric effect episode about frequency being the lever point, not necessarily the intensity of action, that is something that I think is going to be very fascinating. So right now we're not going to get all the way in there. I don't say that I have mastered quantum mechanics and I'm like now this, you know, get the Nobel prize please for understanding how this is all exactly going to react. But I actually do think that this emotional frequency chemical reaction that's going on somehow does trigger, but I'm going to have a more subtle way that's a little more easy to digest than to say that, you know, the entangled particles and observer effect right now is exactly 
exactly a really huge heavy hitting thing in it. I do believe that, but I can't explain it. So I'm going to go through with this in a little bit of a different angle. So remember that things move from frequency, not intensity. We talked about that in episode 189. Could our emotional chemical frequency have something to do with this? That's the transrational theory. That's the quantum level. But let's move it back. Let's go back to the rational. Maybe it's just the fact that when chemicals release in our brains, our focus in our brains becomes the reality that's clouded by that storm of gloom or the rose-colored glasses that we're looking through. So whether we have the stormy cloud above our heads or we have the rose-colored glasses on, once we have that emotion set point, then we're just going to go out there and sift and sort because the left brain, because it wants coherence, it's going to find things that are going to validate either of those emotions. So we pick up on the 2,000 pieces that just reflect back to us what we already feel which means basically our lives largely stay consistent if we fall into the same consistent emotional patterns over time. Our lives are consistently wonderful or consistently crappy, or maybe we're not really good at either one. Maybe we have a whole mix of stuff. Maybe we're sometimes super high and sometimes super low. Not a bad thing. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to always just have one emotion or, or that all the range of emotions are not good or bad. But if you think about your three biggest ones, those are the three biggest ones that you're then using to sift and sort your reality with. It's just consistency because the brain, it's a very efficient thing. It's not looking to have the largest range of emotions every single day. If it's on its own, it's just trying to do things the fastest and simplest way. It's just very efficient. So that's the rational theory of you create your own reality. And PS, let's not even try to think that we can ever be like, like I said earlier, the truly genuinely understand the 400 billion pieces of information. I think that's kind of a not even something we need to worry about. I think it just gives us the awareness and understanding of choice in our lives that is far greater than we currently realize. So that also means that when you start to listen to network or cable news and you think that you're really in touch with true reality, remember that is just the filtered lens of other people and their 2000 pieces of information they're capturing a second and their own emotional conditioning and their ego. And it's not reality. That is a projection of one person's or a small group of people's practice neural nets. Anything that you're taking in information in is going to be a reflection of that person's practice neural net. So to understand true reality in the biggest sense with the big capital R would involve knowing what is going on in every part of the universe in every single second, which I can't even imagine the amount of information that would be if in our own brains in each second and of our own personal experience, while you're listening to this is 400 billion a second, how much would the universe have to be going on for us to truly understand true reality, which the ego is thinking, I'm unbiased. I watch the news. Well, that's not meaning that you are (laughs) understanding what's going on in the true reality. That just means you're understanding, like I said, the lens of that source of information you're getting about what they feel based on their tiny, tiny 0.00000000005% of reality. It's impossible for us to actually know what true reality actually is. So for us to even think that is impossible. Let's recognize that this is truly at the deep core. What we actually have is not the ability to process it all, but just to choose what we do focus on. So be very aware, like I said, of the perceptions that you take in from in people in your community. And when they call this reality or when you call it reality, recognize again, it's just simply a reflection of some of the 2000 pieces of information that vibrate at the same emotional frequency of that person. So at every moment, at every second, there are three 
9999998000 pieces of information that the person you're speaking to is not even aware of. And that includes myself, which is why this isn't an episode about how I'm going to teach you what reality is. It's actually about how you can understand what's going on at a deeper level in your own life so you can actually create the life in your reality using the power within your focus. So now let's move on. With practice and focus, you can choose the thoughts you think and over time, you can start to begin to self-select consciously the emotions and experiences you want to have in your life. This truly is, I believe, the power we're going to harness in life in the centuries to come. I do see this as our evolution as a species is to understand this power because right now it's so common for people to say they just take in reality. They can't avoid it. It's just everywhere. And that what they're really speaking to often is social media and the news. And they're like, I, this is reality. I just need to take it all in. But we're really not seeing that that is not reality. That's just the perceptions and the emotional patterns of everyone that we're taking it in and from, and that everyone is so incapable of conceiving of the true reality that it's not even worth contemplating any true reality other than the choice we have to harness, focus, and select our 2,000 pieces that we're going to notice. So now let's move on to part four. This is exactly what that's about. How can we start deliberately creating the reality we want? Heck, this doesn't even need to be in reality at the time, by the way. You can actually start thinking about things that aren't in reality yet. And let me use an example here that happened. I shared it a little bit earlier in a few episodes ago. Here in Sydney, I had a huntsman spider in my flat the first week I got here. For those who are new and they're American, you don't know what a huntsman spider is or you're not from Australia, a huntsman spider is basically, I would say, like a flatter looking tarantula. It was humongous. It was basically... I would say four or five inches. It was huge. I saw it on my wall, terrified me. It's hairy, gross looking. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. And like it's a Halloween prop for sure. But here it was sitting on my wall. I freaked out and I ended up going upstairs. Thankfully, my Airbnb hosts lived on the floor above me. So I was banging on their door to have them help me with this because I was so terrified. I could not handle it at 1 a.m. in the morning. So the, thankfully, they were there. The husband came down and like captured it and like let it out in the wild. He told me it was truly harmless, although I had no idea that was the case. It truly looked like it would kill me in a heartbeat, but it wasn't. But here's the thing. After he took the spider out of the flat, I spent 20 minutes after the spider was exited the flat, still having that emotion, those peptides, that chemical reaction of fear was still coursing through my veins. I was reliving and because it had happened. So let's look at this. The thing happened, spider on the wall. Jess has a thought, this is terrifying. Then I freak out. And what that freak out is, is then the emotion goes into the hypothalamus, creates the peptide for the fear. So my heart races, I start like having shortness of breath. I have probably my pupils probably dilated. I'm sitting there, you know, hyperventilating a little bit. And then the situation ends. He captures it, it leaves. But because my mind is still seeking coherence and because the emotion's still in my cells, I'm still having thoughts that keep validating that experience that happened 20 minutes ago. And I'm having the physical reaction as if the spider is still there. Though it sort of wanes a little bit, I'm still sitting there having thoughts because I'm still feeling that way. Like, well, what if there's another one? Where it could else there be more of them in my flat? I was sitting there freaking out, even though rationally speaking, the husband told me that they don't travel in packs. They're very harmless. They stay up at the top of the walls. They probably came in through this window over here and all of that stuff. Even with that rational stuff, I was still having these thoughts of fear that were validating the chemical feeling I was still having at the time. So 
Why is that again? I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I want you guys to remember this is coherence. I still felt scared. So I kept reliving the event in the past and also starting to think about how I was going to tell people how scary it was the next day. That was the other thing I was thinking about was telling my new Australian friends and telling them in this freaked out tone, because that's how I was feeling at the time about how scary huntsman spiders are. So Eventually, the good news is I started to bring awareness to the fact that this was psychological fear and that the reality of the fear that I had initially started from the spider actually being there was now gone. So the threat was gone. And eventually I realized I could detach myself from that story and therefore detach myself from the chemical reaction and the feeling of fear faded. But it was only until I realized, hey, Jess, you're just having the same loop going through and you're having the same chemicals come through too because you won't let the story go. Drop the story and the chemicals will subside. So once I brought that conscious awareness to it, I shifted my own reality. I shifted my perception, my thoughts, and my experience, and ultimately my chemical feelings from that. And I could start to notice other things that were going well in my life. And I can actually go to bed and fall asleep and all of those sorts of things. So that was something that happened in the past. But you're probably asking, you know, law of attraction is all about the future. Well, here's the thing. Our brains can also get ahead of the trend. We can actually think of something that brings us joy and will light up the same parts of the brain that light up when it's actually in our actual experience. Does that sound crazy? It's not really. Look at my story of the spider. I was still scared after the spider was gone, all because I was still replaying it in my mind. The same can happen for good things too in the past. Like when I go look at my photos on my phone from all the places I've been to in Europe over the last year, I can feel so happy. I can tap into those emotions that I had in a heartbeat. And again, you guys are probably saying, okay, you've shown me good and bad in the past, Jess, but how do we do the future stuff? Well, it works the same. Visioning or imagining what we want in the future is the same because the brain can't tell the difference between a real memory and a believed vision. It fires the same parts of the brain, just like when it's looking at something in real life. Does that sound crazy to you? Here's a story of this in real life. Psychologist Dr. Blasado at the University of Chicago took three groups of basketball players. Group one practiced foul shots each day for 30 days. Group two was instructed to imagine shooting foul shots each day for 30 days without shooting any balls. And group three was instructed to do nothing, so they were the control. When they tested them 30 days later, group one practicing the shots improved by 24%. So actually playing basketball for a half hour doing these foul shots, they improved by 24%. Group three, the control group that did nothing, had no improvement in their foul shots. No surprise there. But group two, this is the one that just did the visioning. Just the visioning alone, they didn't touch a ball. That group only imagined shooting foul shots, yet improved 23% without physically touching a basketball. 23%. Now, group one that actually did the shooting, that actually took the workout, 24%. So without even any effort, I know we're talking about emotional frequencies and we're talking about effort and how much you actually have to effort versus the frequency. This is without any effort at all. Just the thought alone improved their shot by 23%. What the what? As far as the brain knew, this is the difference between groups one and group two. Group one had it and they missed foul shots daily, but group two never missed in their minds. 
What this means is that group two, while they never missed, was given more emotional confidence by the brain. And the brain also memorized the foul shooting pattern as though they were on the court. So the brain couldn't tell that they weren't actually hitting the shot. So when they actually went to go throw the ball, they had the same experience that they'd had a million times in their brain before. The people that actually did do the shooting had the mix of learning and going through the effort of it. This is incredible because they, since the group one did not build the confidence in the same way the group two did, they did have an increase and they did by 1% outperform group two. But just imagine if group two did this emotional frequency work and they actually used the ball. Can you imagine the actual putting in even just a little bit of effort, not even the 30 minutes like group one, just imagine any actual intensity with that emotional frequency, what could be possible? This is like truly with your hands tied behind your back, how are you gonna do this? Imagine combining them together. This is incredible. And I really want you guys to see that this shows that with zero intensity action or effort, it almost had exactly the same improvement as actually taking the effort all the time without the focus of deliberately selecting emotional frequency. That was the thing that group one didn't do. They didn't set their emotional frequency before they did it. They just did it and hoped that they would be happy when they made the basket and they would be sad if they didn't, instead of getting the confidence ahead of time and then taking action. As I keep telling you guys, alignment before action is the quantum living approach. So as I said, and the transrational law of attraction would say that this is, means that there's some connection between life situations reflecting our emotions, or could it be that our emotions actually create the circumstances that match it? That's kind of what I'm thinking in the transrational. You have this emotion, you have these 2000 measly little things you're gonna notice, so you're gonna find things that match that frequency because your brain can only do so much, it's gonna focus on the things that validate and find coherence with the emotions that you've already set. So as Abraham Hicks likes to say, we can sift and sort selectively through our experiences and focus on the ones we want more of. Or you can flip it and say on the rational side, you can say, well, the brain fires off whether we actually do something or not in the same ways so that when we focus on something we want to do more and more, we may get closer at observing those 2000 pieces of information that line up with it and how we're feeling. And then we get better at feeling those more positive emotions because we start to you know, just get better at focusing. So what this could mean on a rational level is that even though everything may be the same all the time, there might be this totally neutral 400 billion things coming into our you know, brain every moment, what it could mean is that at the start of our day, nothing may actually be better than anything else in the beginning of the day. However, as we get consistently focused on good things, we may keep taking large and small actions based on that focus of good things that keep snowballing and do lead to better or worse results based on the first things that we start to notice from a very neutral place. So let's say in the morning you don't have a huge momentum, positive or negative going. You start pretty neutral. Well, where are the first things that you start to look at are, and that's probably going to come from the unconscious and most habitual emotions, thoughts, and memories you've had in the past, you're going to start to pick up on those 2000. And that's going to, out of that 2000, maybe you'll take an action based on one of those things. And then that action is going to trigger kind of like dominoes to the next action and the next action. And you're going to keep following this chain of events that started with one, but it's going to snowball because your eyes are looking, your brain is processing those measles 
Grizzly 2000 out of the 400 billion to reflect coherence. So it seems like things keep getting better and better if you're on the good track or worse and worse if you're in a negative emotional track. But really all the options to have a great or a bad day are there all along. It's just that we just keep taking actions as we get better at sifting and sorting from the emotional place that we're in. So this is of course, totally in alignment with the transrational theory, and I hope you are still with me. But the transrational would say, probably that's all true. And I know that things go well when I focus on what I want instead of the lack of what I want. I don't need to nitpick too deeply why this is working. I just want to go with the flow and recognize that there could be even greater mysteries at play here that the brain chemicals can't even comprehend either. So regardless of whether you believe law of attraction or not, the concept that you create your own reality has a pretty strong case from both the rational and the transrational. So part five here, let me wrap this up for you guys. I just want to say, as you've heard me say a bunch of times now, I find it fascinating that we only pick up on 0.00000005% of our reality, just 2,000 measly pieces out of 400 billion per second. Surely, I personally know that I want to get better at selecting what I pay attention to if I only get a precious 2,000. I believe and I feel that I would like to get better at focusing on those 2,000 and doing them deliberately. And remember that when I say doing this deliberately and focusing on what I want, the antithesis of that is not this idea of being a neutral being that's truly non-biased if you're not doing that. The antithesis of choosing what you want and focusing on what you want is not being neutral truly, it's being unconscious and just living out the conditioned patterns that are already established in your personal neural net without your choice or selection. That's the antithesis of not choosing is just going with what's in autopilot within yourself that you did not necessarily pick or choose. So it's about simply picking up on, or, or it could be also about simply picking up on other people's neural nets and their emotional conditional patterns around you. So it could also just, you could just pick up on other people's perspectives and thoughts on life and just adopt their emotional conditioning and have it bleed over into your own. Either way for myself, I would like to have the power, focus, and ability to choose that instead of doing it unconsciously like I was for most of my life before. And I noticed that regardless of the transrational or the rational theories behind it, I do know that thoughts trigger chemical reactions and I interpret those as emotions and feelings. My physiology is real. I can feel that shift in me when I'm looking at like a huntsman spider on my wall or when I'm remembering what it was like when he was there. And I also personally have been practicing the ability to think thoughts over and over that are not true yet or focus on things that are or have been true in the past that make me feel wonderful. Those wonderful thoughts create wonderful chemical reactions. And I've really created a neural net in this past year that is truly really comfortable and very easy over a lot of practice and focus to actually get that neural net firing much simpler and quicker than it used to be before. And I can tell you that in those states of warm and fuzzy, high alignment feelings, the things that happen to me in that state tend to be incredible, actually so unbelievable. And now recently so consistent that I'm often honestly scared to really talk about it because it feels so unrelatable. It feels like bragging. And that is not The reality is just, I've just gotten better at focusing on understanding this is how the brain works. And if I can actually start to use my brain deliberately instead of having it use me unconsciously, everything shifts. I know that for me personally, 
I want to continue to do this more and more, and I'll be sharing how you can do the same yourself here on the show. As always, please take what you like from this and what resonates with you and leave the concepts that do not work for you. Just leave them out. But if any of this helps you, I hope that you consider it and start to consider that you can select what these 2000 pieces are that you focus on in your own life so you can start shifting your own emotional reactions and the most, you know, the the heaviest things that you deal with or the most frequent things that you deal with, you can actually start to choose those when you're given this awareness that you're already doing doing it, whether you're thinking about it or not. You do have the power to learn how to focus on the 2000 pieces of information you want to notice. It may just take time, patience, compassion for yourself, and the openness to try consistently. This didn't happen for me overnight. It didn't happen for me in month one, month two, but here I am consistently doing it. And I can say, I can see it in myself. It is amazing. And it's so fun when I find other people I bump into in the world who have also trained themselves to consistently be aware of this. They're few and far between so far, but they're becoming more and more common in my own reality. I know I'm finding them and I'm sure they're out there in other places as well. And I hope that you start to notice people's emotional frequencies and start to see, can you start to notice that some people feel a little more alive and awake than others? That's what I've been noticing. And I hope that this is something that you're now going to be thinking about a little bit more for yourself as well. Imagine what you can do by the way, with this whole basketball analogy, with that mix of actual execution once you've established the high frequency. I'll say it before and I'll say it again. Alignment before action. It's amazing to know that just even with just alignment alone what you can do, but imagine when you power that with action to follow. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me over at Jess C as in create your own reality lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash quantum create your reality. Before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software that I have loved using since 2012 because let's face it, bookkeeping is not something I honestly want to be thinking about whatsoever when it comes to my business. I don't know about you. Maybe you're an accountant and you love thinking about that or you're a bookkeeper too, or maybe that's something that lights you up. But for me, I want it to be as simple as my social media. And that is what FreshBooks does for me. It makes my bookkeeping, invoicing, and tracking my expenses with my bookkeeper and accountant. So simple. If I need to make up a fancy profit and loss statement or any of those types of financial documents, again, FreshBooks has me covered. I don't have to actually do anything personally. I just go into that category, select it, and then figure out if I want to look at the quarterly, the yearly, you name it. So check it out if you haven't already. There is a free 30-day trial if you have your own business and you want to give this a shot and see why I am so obsessed by going over to freshbooks.com slash lively. That's going to give you a free 30-day trial and I hope you love it as much as I do. Now for where I'm headed to next, I am staying in Ibiza for A-Fest and to then hang out with my friend Polly, who also lives in Ibiza. So I'm sure that you can find any Instagram related little sneak peeks or insights into what I'm learning from A-Fest or doing out in Ibiza. I've never been and I honestly haven't seen any photos of Ibiza. I've only heard tales of the spiritual side of the island, the party side of the island and so much more. So I'm excited to be sharing what my first experience is are with you over on Instagram. So I'll see you there. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.